Oh, man, praise the Lord. Hey, let me, let me begin this morning just by saying to you, Happy Mother's Day. I hope that you have been blessed already. I, I, really, I really do. It's been a special day at Harvest Church. This morning was really, really incredible. Just uh, really hearing the story of Danielle and Robert and, and their journey with the girls, really. Just a reminder of, of, of what it means to be faithful and to, to watch God bless obedience. He always does that. He always does that. And so anyway, it's just with this heart that I'm going to speak to you this morning. It's, it's Mother's Day. We want to celebrate you. We want to honor you. I know that it, it's, it's a lot. Hey, Si, how are you, man? It's a lot to be a, to be a mom and to, and to raise kids in today's culture and all that stuff. Here is my goal and purpose in the next 10 or 15 minutes, and that really is to just pour some fuel into your tank. If there's one thing about uh, raising kids, I know that you run on a little bit of sleep, uh, not much energy, doing the best you can. So I want to put some fuel in your tank, just to encourage you for the journey. I'm going to take our reading this morning from the book of 2 John. It's 13 verses, just a short, personal, intimate note. That letter is recorded for us in Scripture just a couple pages before you get to Revelation, so it's in the back of your Bible. If you want to go ahead and turn there, let's do that. I'm going to make my introductory remarks after the reading, but I'll just kind of set the context so that maybe you just kind of just uh, get a gist of what's going on. And so let's, let's begin this way. I, I did it this morning just as a way to, to illustrate for you. And so here is, here is this letter. It's 13 verses. It's concise. You could almost get the, I don't know, get the feeling that John sits down at the kitchen table or dining room table. And on his heart is just this desire to communicate some words of affection and affirmation and warning all at the same time. And just, I mean, just a short personal note, something that you could write in five or ten minutes. And God has divinely preserved this word for us, passed it along. It is a, it is a letter that could be easily writ, uh, read and accepted and applied by a mom and her family. It could also just as easily fit into the context of the local New Testament family. But as I read through the letter, you're going to notice two main themes from the beginning. The first three verses, there is one word that's, that's mentioned four times, and that word is truth. That's one side of the coin. In the next couple verses, there is another word that's mentioned several times, and it's it's absolutely tied to the first. And so two sides of one coin, the coin this morning is going to represent our home. What are two things in this chaotic season to raise kids and be family and all that, where everything is kind of pulling at your strings? How can we boil life down to just the essentials and say these are two just absolutely inseparable, necessary things for a productive, fruitful family. On the first side, it is truth. On the other side, it is love. They go in tandem. They complement one another. In this letter, this personal note, I'm going to read it all for us this morning. It is, 
it is written from the elder. He gives an address from an elder statesman. Here is a confession from your pastor this morning. I feel like on days like this, the most least qualified guy in the room to be speaking to you. There is no way that that uh, motherhood is in my wheelhouse. It's, you know, it's really from a distance that I look on Mother's Day and really recognize its value. I do that by looking at the life of my grandmother who has gone on, my mom who is ever-present and a rock in our family, the mother of my kids who literally poured her life into them as, you know, they're being raised up and I'm working all the time and all of that stuff. And then to watch my daughter and my daughter-in-law really pour their life into raising Atwood and Smith kids and I don't know, keeping the uh, children's church, church workers busy. John is the elder statesman. He is writing back just with a, a word of affirmation and love. Fuel for the tank this morning. Second John begins like this. The elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all those who have known the truth. Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Three times or four times already you've heard that word truth. In verse 4, you're going to hear it again, but this, the tone changes. It goes from this essential element of truth. Now it's going to incorporate this idea of love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in the truth as we receive commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady. Not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. It's not a new deal, not a new idea. This is just affirmation. This is just a reminder. He goes on to say, this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For as many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. In other words, it turns from truth and love to a note of warning. Verse 8, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things that we have worked for, but that we are, or that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of, the, of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and pen or paper and ink. But I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy might be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. A very short note. It's a personal note in tone. And it really is, is lending itself to life in a, in a tumultuous or a sensual culture. It is believed by most scholars that John the elder apostle toward the end of his years, somewhere between A.D. 90 and A.D. 95, 
as an old man who has walked with Jesus, who has spent his life in ministry, who very shortly will find himself exiled on the Isle of Patmos for the cause and testimony of Christ, it literally is from this age perspective. In other words, I've been there, I've done that, I've got the t-shirt, I've watched the fruit of my labors for years and years and years, and now it's this wisdom that I want to pour back into this essential building block of, of culture. The reality is, there is no more bedrock foundation for a culture than its family. And here's, here's another reality, the the generation in which we live, there's never been a time where the family has been more, um, I don't know, misconstrued, under pressure, you know, from all kinds of ideals coming in all different directions. It's from the elder apostle to speak back into that context to encourage this elect lady and how she responds and reacts and invests in those children that God has put around her. Literally, two things that he pours out in this letter, and it is the necessity of truth to be, I don't know, just solidified in the home environment. Let me, let me just say to you for a minute, here's what I realize as your pastor. It is a God-given privilege to have just a window into, into your life, to have your attention for just a few minutes, maybe you know, maybe one week out of the month or two weeks out of the month. If I'm really, really lucky, you know, each week we get to spend time together and I get to have a voice into your, into your life, where you live. I mean, here's the reality. We say this is faith family. We live together. I mean, we wrestle together. We, we encourage one another and exhort one another in this journey. And so it's, it's, a, it's a valuable thing to know that I have your ear for, for just a minute. And it's that same tone that John writes, and he says, these essentials, it's truth and love. They go in tandem. They complement one another. And it's, in essence, a glue that keeps the family not only together, but gives the, fa the family footing, a strong platform on which to stand and ultimately from which to launch children from it's wisdom being poured back in moms dads here is some fuel for your fire what's the most essential thing how do I focus on the most important thing if there's a ton of truth in your family life your kids learn the truth they see the truth they're taught the truth they're put in environments where the truth is recognized taught and elevated that's essential but truth without love is condemning the truth can be hard in fact there's a famous movie line I think Jack Nicholson said it you can't handle the truth right it's it's the reality that truth can be hard to take at times but when it's matched with love, it's palatable. We can accept it. I'll say this in, in, in this moment, and that is my mom can say things to me nobody else can. And I listen because I know where it comes from. That's the power of motherhood. It's that, that voice has been used to correct, to, to steer, 
to reprimand. Wait till your daddy gets home. You're going to get it, boy. It's, it's amazing to me how, uh, how differently services can go. There are a couple quotes that I'm going to start this, this conversation with as we think about truth and we think about love in the context of the home. There's two sides, this essential coin. Ralph Waldo Emerson made this statement. He said, people are what their mothers make them. Weigh, weigh that for a minute. Evaluate that. What do, what do you think about that statement? That's not inspired by God. That's a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Let that reflect. Let it sit on you for a minute. People are what their mothers make of them or make them. Here is a second quote. It's given by Lord Shaferberry. And it says this. Give me one generation of Christian mothers... And I'll undertake to change the whole face of society in 12 months. Those, those are two massive statements. Not sure that I wholeheartedly agree, but it absolutely pushes to the truth of the essential nature of motherhood and what it means in the lives of, of individuals. Now, here is, here is how I approach today. I understand that we come to days like today. Some people have stayed home from church today because it's Mother's Day. And it's, and it's a hard day. It's a day that, that really maybe stirs some emotion that really is, is hard to do and, and really hard in a public setting. I get that. There's, there's all kinds of seasons of life and days like today, you know, they can catch us, um, I don't know, in, in different ways. So let me, let me make some ob observations just from the pulpit this morning. The, the unique privilege that I have is to, to have a gaze into your lives. I mean, I look out in the congregation, and I don't just see faces, but I see families, I see experiences, and all of that stuff. And so really, a front row seat to life, I get to, to, to watch that happen and unfold. So here are just a couple observations from your pastor. Number one. And don't throw rocks at me, okay? Mothers come in all shapes, sizes, ages, and circumstances. A mother is one who chooses to love, nurture, instruct, and provide care regardless of personal cost. Those are some observations. Motherhood might be a calling. It might be something that you step into voluntarily, maybe sometimes involuntarily. As I look into the congregation, just kind of leading up to today, I was really on the fence about which way to go, but there were some things that I really, really wanted to communicate. The first thing that I wanted to do was just as a pastor, as a father, a grandfather, was to acknowledge young moms that really are doing the hard work of making sure that your, that your family knows the Lord and that you're, you're making the sacrifice to get them up on Sunday morning. How many of you know toddlers are not easy? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hard, hard deal. And so just kind of a hats off moment where week after week I watch young moms 
Maybe dad's away working and all kinds of other stuff, but mom is getting the kids up. She's wiping their noses, changing their diapers, feeding them breakfast, cleaning up the outfits after they get all messed up and brushing their hair. and Tommy, all that stuff. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm the papa. I, I get to see them for a minute and when they start to whine, I get to send them home. I mean, that's the, that's the joy of, of, of that stuff. But to know that in this faith family, there are moms that are just making the sacrifice, even like Danielle said, for the first three years of their marriage, it didn't make sense to get up, take the kids to church and all that stuff. But the reality is, look at the fruit of what God has done. It's to young moms, I say, Lord bless you for what you do, for getting the kids up. And as hard as it is, Getting them in the car, for heaven's sake. Being mad when you walk in the door. But getting over it. Praise the Lord. Sending them to children's church. I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's really just a, a moment where I want to commend you for that. I want to make a, a statement about our teenagers. It's, it's really, really unique in this season of life for me as a pastor. There again, I've walked this journey for 20 plus years ministering to families, loving families as, as they do life and all that stuff. And never has there been a season of life where I look and I see so many teenagers. I mean, on Wednesday night, we call that family night. We share a meal together. We sit around the table. There's activities for kids. And then at some point, the adults break up and the kids, you know, the students, the teenagers, they go to their space and, and they worship the Lord. Well, it's become really apparent that their number is growing. So the old people are not so many anymore. And I'm talking about myself, not anybody else. But, you know, so anyway, we, we come in here on Wednesday night, and it's a quiet space, and we get to sit on the soft chairs and decompress for a minute and study together. Well, so anyway, here's what's happened. Now there's more of them than there is of us. And so you know what that means. Now next week they get the soft seats and we get the, we get the hard seats. But, I, you know, I just look and I say, man, never in my ministry life have I seen so many teenagers love one another, love the Lord, excited about ministry. I mean, from this faith family this year, Alyssa's going to go abroad. Chris Fitzpatrick is going to go and invest in the next generation of teenagers. I mean, they're going on mission and I just want to say, moms and dads, you guys that have really sowed into these kids, the Lord and the, the priority of ministry, I want to say, man, my hat is off. I, I'm blown away as I watch them grow and thrive and, and get ready to leave. I, I got to the end of my message right here this morning at nine and maybe we'll do it again. The commendation of young mothers, the commendation of godly mothers. In this church context, I see the, the sacrifice of adoptive mothers. So, um, anyway, just get a window into, into what that looks like a little bit. People who don't have to, but they do. It's, it's, an, it's another form of, of, of love. A willingness to, to adopt and choose to love. Really, it, it blows my mind. And so I watched Tim and Heather and 
Emily and Kevin and others who have opened their home and bring babies in. It's, it's forever a part of this church family's legacy and story that as we got ready to move on to this property in June of 2021, there was lots of work to do. So this property had been a church facility and functioned in that way since 1953, and it looked like that. Amen. <laughs> Red brick on the walls on the outside and green carpet and pews on the inside and a baptistry and platform that, I don't know, took up half the room. So we went, to, we went to work remodeling, and anyway, we were in the fellowship hall one day, and Emily gets a call from Child Protective Services, and anyway, she, she says, you know, they're calling me about this baby. What do I do about this baby? And so the next thing I know, she's coming back through the doors while we're painting, and there's, there's a baby whose color is not good. By all accounts, he's, he's gray. He makes no sound. He doesn't cry. He's in, in every way. There's no light in his eyes. He's a, he's a child that's been abandoned and neglected so much so that his head is flat on one side. And forever, as a testimony of what love does, <clears throat> we always will come back to, to that reality. It's a, it's a, it's a get-to kind of thing. And so Keno James is, you know, he's a church baby in a lot of ways, but really tells the story of two sides of a coin. The truth is, life matters. Every life. That's the truth. It's God-given. It's God-ordained. He is not a surprise or an accident or a mistake or anything else. He is a child. That's the truth. The love part of the equation is that we choose to come alongside and to watch him be raised up. There is a, a love element that, that now makes the difference because not, there's not a child that's gray and lifeless with no light love makes all the difference now there's curly hair and craziness yeah as as we walk out today we do that on the foundation of truth that there's a truth and it's absolute and it's to be lived in every way john's word to her is it's, it's, it's walking out the truth. Hey, walk out the truth. And when you do that, 
you walk that in, in love and those two, look at me for a minute. Those two things give solid foundation for this generation and the next. And literally it changes the environment. It, it changes the complexion of a home and a community. So today we celebrate mothers in that, in that way. I want you to stand to your feet. The sermon is over, but the worship isn't. We're going to take a minute. We're going to sing together. We're going to pray together. We're going to thank the Lord together. We're going to encourage one another. If you're lucky enough to have your mama here, you better give her a big hug and, and uh, just kind of cherish that.